man, we are entering into a, a time of the year that I used to love when I was a kid, really when I was a teenager. I used to love summer. How many of y'all, you loved summer when you were a kid? I loved summer because that meant I got to take a break from school, man. I, I didn't have to sit in the classroom all day. I loved it. I, I wanted to sleep, you know, and teachers don't usually allow you uh, the opportunity to do that in class. And so uh, I love summer because I was just tired of learning all year. I didn't want to learn uh, anymore. But folks, it's really important that you and I never stop learning. It's really important that you and I never stop growing. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 uh, says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So even though we are entering into the summer months, my prayer for you is that you'll not, you'll, you'll not take a break at learning. My prayer for you is that you won't take a break from growing. My prayer for each and every one of the people who are here today is that you will take advantage of all the time that God has given you and that you will continue to learn the truths that God would have you to apply in your life. And so really as we start today, let me ask this question. How many of you, when you were a kid, you liked to play games? You liked to play games when you were a kid? If you're not raising your hand, uh, that means you were boring, okay? And so we're glad that you're here anyway. Uh, but I loved playing games when I was a kid, and one of the games that I really liked to play was hide and seek. Anybody you like to play hide and seek when you were a kid? That's a fun game, but hide and seek is only fun when you know you're actually playing hide and seek, right? Like, you know, it, that you know someone's hiding and that you know uh, you're supposed to be finding someone. Like, it's not fun when somebody hides and you don't know it and they jump out and scare you. Anybody ever had something like that uh, happen to you? I remember in college, uh, I, we had two rooms that shared a bathroom. We were, it was a suite is what they called it. And so, uh, anyway, two guys were in each room, and so we shared this bathroom. The beds, the bedrooms were separated by a, a, a short, narrow hallway that had two sinks, and then there was another little bitty room that just had a toilet and a bathtub uh, in it. And so, really, if you needed to go to the bathroom, you know, it took some maneuvering to get around the toilet to shut the door. I mean, it's just really tight quarters uh, up in there. And so I remember one day I had gotten out of class and I, I needed to go to the restroom, just number one. I need to go TT, uh, whatever it is I'm supposed to say. I got kids. That's what I say. You need to go TT or alleviate my urinary bladder. I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, but I had to go to the bathroom. So I had to go to the restroom. And so I get in there. And what I didn't know at the time was that my roommate was standing in the shower. Okay, now he wasn't taking a shower. He was literally just standing there in the dark with the curtain closed because he thought it would be a great idea to jump out and scare whoever the next person was uh, that went in there to go to the bathroom. So I go in there. I maneuver around the toilet, you know, make sure I shut the door. And so I get in there, and I start to go to the restroom, and my roommate yells and screams and jumps out. Man, you want to talk about being freaked out. Man, this boy right here was freaked out, and you can't stop once you start. And so the bathroom was just a mess, man. It was a mess, man. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, again, I mean, uh, he just thought that would be, he thought that would be uh, hilarious. Now, if I go to anybody's house and I have to go to the restroom, I always look behind the shower curtain. Anybody do that? You never know. You know what I mean? And so I just want to make sure I'm safe. Uh, but again, I always, always liked playing hide and seek when I was a kid and I thought I was a good hider. I really did. But have you ever played hide and seek with somebody who was a terrible hider? You know, somebody that just like, they just really couldn't hide uh, for anything. Uh, Sadie Kate, she's eight now, my eight-year-old, she's a terrible hider, okay? Uh, especially years ago. I remember years ago we were playing hide and seek uh, at the house, and so, you know, I counted, she's hiding, and so I'm walking down the hallway, and I just look in my peripheral uh, into her bedroom, and here's what I see. I see, I see Sadie literally hiding 
behind a pillow. And so I'm trying to be a good dad, you know, and I say, hey, dude, I really see you, Sadie. And so I'm like, where's Sadie? I guess she's not in here. And so she's kind of laughing because she thinks I really can't see her. She's like, daddy didn't see me. (laughs) So she's really, but I mean, I'm going, that poor girl. Y'all don't tell her I said she's not a good hider, okay? I don't want her to be mad at me. But again, Again, she, she, was, she was trying to hide, and it wasn't really, good, wasn't really good at hiding. But the question that I got for you, and the question I have for everybody in here is, where are you hiding? Where are you hiding? You say, you say Robert, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, well here's, here's the deal. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. At this particular moment in the history of Israel, Israel wanted a king. But God never intended for the nation of Israel to have a king. God wanted to be their king. But they wanted a king because they wanted to be like all the other nations. And so God selects a king. He selects a guy by the name of Saul. He selects a guy by the name of Saul. Samuel, who was a prophet, selects Saul. And there's this kind of private ceremony where where Saul is appointed to be king, and it's kind of weird. Uh, It's in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. You can read uh, about it. But what happens is Samuel and Saul and one of Saul's servants, they're basically walking along the road. And so Samuel, the prophet, looks at Saul and says, Hey, I need to tell you something. Why don't you send your servant up ahead, just me and you, so that I can tell you something alone. And so Saul does that, and as soon as the servant leaves, I want you to see what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Again, this is kind of weird. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it over Saul's head, and he kissed Saul. Now, I'm going to be real with you. If I'm Saul in that moment. I'm not going to know what in the world is going on here. Uh, If somebody just automatically started pouring some oil on my head, like if you're hanging out with a group of your friends and one of your friends says, hey, I really need to talk to you. Just you and me though. Could you maybe step into this room over here? And you're like, yeah, I got you, man. So what's, and you get in there and you're like, so what's up? And all the guy doesn't say anything. The person doesn't say anything. He just starts pouring oil on your head. What are you going to think? You're going to think, man, this person's fixing to kill me. And wear my skin for the rest of their life, right? That's what you're going to think. That's what, that's what I would think. And so, again, Saul doesn't say anything. He just starts pouring oil. Samuel just starts pouring oil on Saul's head. And he kisses him, saying, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. So Saul's a little freaked out. Again, uh, you know, he wasn't dreaming about becoming king one day. That wasn't something that he had hoped Uh, to do. He was really only there with Samuel because he was looking for his father's lost donkey, some donkeys that had gone astray. So he was asking the prophet, hey, maybe do you know where they are? But he's anointed king. He's anointed king, the very first king. And so he just goes home afterwards. He doesn't go to a palace. He's not given a, a sword. He's not sitting on an iron throne with dragons and stuff like that. He just goes about his business, living his life. And again, this was Israel's first king, their first king. And so uh, there comes a time, though, where, where Samuel calls all of Israel together to introduce to them their new king, their first king. And I can't help but think it was kind of a big deal. Maybe there was music in the background, you know, introducing your first king. And so there's this music, there's maybe some smoke from a smoke machine, and Saul, again, he's supposed to walk out, and so Samuel's like, here's the king, Saul. And so after the smoke fades, Saul's not there. He's not there. And so Israel's thinking, well, where's the king? 
Where is he? Where, where's this king you've been telling us about, uh, Samuel? Where, where is he? And look at what happens in verse 22. It says, so they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So what is he doing? He's hiding. He's hiding. He has hidden himself among the baggage. The King James Version of the Bible says he's hiding among the stuff. He's hiding among the supplies. Now, if we stopped right there, it might not seem like a really big deal. But if you continue to read verse 23, look at what the Bible says. It says, so they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. So how tall was Saul? He's a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. But he's hiding among the stuff. He's hiding among the baggage. He's hiding among the supplies. I don't know why, but when I picture this scene, I can just picture Sadie Kate, just, you know, somebody hiding, thinking they're doing a good job hiding, but really everybody sees him the thing, what was that guy over there doing? They just thought he was a weirdo, you know what I mean? Hiding behind the stuff. So again, where are you hiding? I heard about an ad that was in the local newspaper and the ad, the headline said, lost dog. It said lost dog and the ad read, crippled in front paw, blind in left eye, mange on the back and nail, tail missing, right rear leg missing, missing front teeth, recently neutered, answers to the name Lucky. Answers to the name Lucky. The reality is, though, he was lucky because someone was looking for him. And I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt today that you are lucky. You are blessed. I am lucky. I am blessed because there is a God who is looking for us. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. He's looking for each and every one of us because the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the Bible says, The eye of the Lord searched the whole earth. God is looking for you. He's looking for me. He's looking for us because He loves us and He's got great plans for us. God is looking for us because He wants us to do great things in His name. But all too often, we're hiding. We're hiding behind things. See, you and I have this natural tendency to hide from God. If you go all the way back to the beginning, if you go back to the garden, after Adam and Eve sinned, God comes looking for Adam. He's calling for Adam. And what is Adam doing? He's hiding. He's hiding. See, all too often you and I are just like Adam. We're hiding. All too often you and I are just like Saul. We're hiding. We're doing what we can to hide from God. We're doing what we can to hide from being who it is that God wants us to be. And so this morning, I want to show you several things that people tend to hide behind. If you're keeping notes and you want to write them down, the first place where people hide, a lot of people hide, is they hide behind religion. They hide behind a religion. R.A. Torrey said the greatest field of evangelism in the world is the membership of the local church. See, so many people, again, are hiding behind religion. They might be in church. They may be members of the church. Their granddaddy uh, might have been in church. Their mom and dad might have been in church. They might have been born in the church. But, folks, you can be born in church and still not be a Christian. 
You can't. You can be born in the garage and not be a car. You can be born in the woods and not be a tree. You can be born in the woods and not be a wolf. Just because you were born and raised in the church does not make you a Christian. But I know so many people who hide behind their church membership. They hide behind their position. They may be a deacon. They may be a Sunday school teacher. They may be an usher. They may be whatever. And they think they can hide behind those things. But let me tell you about a man. He's found in John chapter 3. And this man in John chapter 3 was a Pharisee. Now what does that mean? It means he was super religious. He was so religious that he read his Bible every day. He read the Old Testament every day. Not only did he read the Old Testament every day, but he had the Old Testament memorized. Not only did he have the the scripture memorized and read it every day, but this man tithed off of everything that he had. He fasted twice a week. He did all the right things, but you know what? He was still lost. He was still lost. He was hiding behind religion, and Jesus said to this man in John chapter 3, verse 3, He says, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody say, I assure you. Now, what does that mean? It means there is some certainty here, right? Jesus says, I assure you, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Not you might not enter the kingdom of God. Not you probably won't enter the kingdom of God. It's a certainty. I assure you, unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And the thing about this whole situation is that Jesus said this to a big man. And I don't mean he was muscular. I don't mean he was fat. What I mean is he was an adult. And so as he heard this, that he must be born again, he began to wonder, man, how in the world is it possible for me to climb back in my mother's womb and be born again? I just didn't make any sense. And Jesus says, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. And so Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 3, verse 5, he says this, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what Jesus says to this man is just how your mother's water has to break for you to be born into this life. Just so that you can have physical life in here, you have to be born of water. If you want to live with God eternally, you have to be born of the Spirit. See, Jesus said to Nicodemus that it's not enough that you're a member of a church. It's not enough that you read your Bible. It's not enough that you've been baptized. It's not enough that you've got a position. It's not enough that you are a good person. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And I want you to know the same thing this morning. You must be born again. It's not enough that you are a member of a church. It's not enough that you are here this Sunday. It's not enough that you pray every now and then. It's not enough that you read your Bible. It's not enough. You must be born again. And I'm not just talking about saying some prayer. I'm not. It's more than just a prayer. It's more than just that that ritual. See, I'm married. I've been married 16 years. Amanda's put up with me for 16 years. Praise God. Uh, But man, man, you know why we've been able to, to stay married? See, we had these vows that said for better, for worse, right? For richer, for poor, in sickness and health until we are parted by death. Well, what I want you to know is those weren't just words that we said. Those weren't just words we said. We've we've continued to be married 16 years because we live those words out every day. It was real to 
us and what I'm saying today is that you just can't say some prayer. It's got to be real. It has to be a moment in your life and in my life where we realize, hey, you know what? There is nothing in and of myself that I can do to save myself. I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and seek to follow Him each and every day for the rest of my life. It's not about rules. It's not about rituals. It's about following Jesus Christ. But again, so many people are hiding behind religion, and that's not enough. It's not something else that people tend to hide behind, not only religion, but they tend to hide behind righteousness. They tend to hide behind righteousness. I heard about this man who was having these severe headaches, and so he said, man, i got to go to the doctor and see what's going on. And so he goes to the doctor. The doctor is examining him, and he said, doc, I just don't understand. I don't understand why I'm having these headaches. He said, man, I don't drink like, like most people do. I, I don't. I don't drink like most people. He said, doc, I don't understand because I don't drink like most people, and I don't smoke like most people. He said, doc, I don't drink like most people. I don't smoke like most people. I don't stay out late like most people and just party. I don't do that. He said, I get enough rest. He said, man, I don't, I don't, I don't drink like most people, smoke like most people, party like most people. I, I sleep better than most people. Man, he said, you know, I, I even eat right. I, I just don't understand why, why I'm having these headaches because I'm a little better than everybody else. And so the doctor said, I think I figured out what your problem is. He said, I think I figured out what your problem is. Your problem is that your halo is on too tight. You know what I mean? See, in Matthew chapter 19, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, a man runs up to Jesus. He runs up to Jesus, and I want you to see what he says. He says, teacher, what good must I do to inherit eternal life? You see what he said? He said, man, what, what, what's the good thing that I can do? How, how, good, how good can I be? What, what's it going to take for me to make it to heaven? How, how good can I do? How, can I just be a little bit better? This man thought, again, he could hide behind his righteousness. If I can just be good enough. Think about it. When somebody, somebody dies, when somebody dies that we know, what do we always say? They were such a good person. They were such a good person. But that's not enough. Man, if you could be good enough, Jesus Christ didn't have to die on Calvary's cross. If you and I could be good enough, that means he went to the cross in vain. No father would do that to their son, right? You and I can't be good enough. In Romans chapter 3 verse 23, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 3 verse 10, the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20, there is certainly no righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. In Psalm 51 5, the Bible says, hey, you know what? Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. You can't be good enough. The truth of the matter is there are two groups of people who you will never meet in this world. You will never meet somebody who is too good that they don't need to be saved. And you'll never meet somebody who's too bad that they can't be saved. You'll never meet somebody who's too good that they don't need to be saved. And you'll never meet somebody who's too bad that they can't be saved. But it doesn't stop people from hiding behind their righteousness. They'll say things like, I'm better than so-and-so. You ever heard that? I'm better than her. Oh, I'm way better than him. Way better. I'm way better. I'll, 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 I'm better than they are. I've heard people say things like, like this, and I'm sure you've heard them say it before. People will say things like, I'm not going to go down there to the church because they're just hypocrites down there at the church. You ever heard that? I always tell people, well, man, come on. One more hypocrite ain't going to hurt nothing. You know what I mean? We've got plenty of room for you. Just an excuse. I'm serious. 
I was down at Kroger just the other day pumping up some gas. Y'all know there's all kinds of people here in this church, but also in, in this world. I'm down at Kroger the other day pumping gas, and man, there's some Vicksburg rednecks. Y'all ever seen any of them? Some of y'all are like, hey, I am a redneck. Don't be talking about me. But it's like, man, they had their country music blaring, you know what I mean? And then that, this is a new song, this old town road, you know, like gangster country. You're like, man, what are those people doing? And then there was somebody else there who was listening to some rap music, you know what I mean? But it was like the 90s rap music, so it took me back, you know what I mean? It was notorious, you know what I mean? But he's like, I creep up behind. I ask you what your interests are. Who you be with? Things to make you smile. What number? I'm sorry, I just took, I get, I get excited. But man, there was all kinds of people there. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, oh, no. I'm not putting another single drop of gas in my car because there's hypocrites here. I'm leaving. I didn't say that. Nobody says that. I've never been to a restaurant with Amanda and said, Amanda, we've got to get out of here. There's hypocrites here. (laughs) It's just an excuse. Man, I'm telling you, one day you will stand before God. And if you or somebody that you know says, I'm not going to church because there's hypocrites down there, it's just an excuse. Just an excuse. So some people hide behind religion. Some people hide behind righteousness. A third thing that people tend to hide behind is riches. People hide behind riches. People hide behind their big houses. People hide behind their big fancy cars. People hide behind their expensive clothes. They hide behind all their possessions. And folks, there's nothing wrong with with possessing things. There's not. It's wrong when things possess us. Nothing wrong with possessing things. It's wrong when things possess us and the scripture talk about a guy who was rich i mean super duper rich you ever seen that old show lifestyles of the rich and famous man this guy the bible talks about would make all of those people look poor this guy that the bible talks about will make everybody who has ever appeared on mtv cribs look poor i'm telling you his his name was solomon he had more money than bill gates and the bible said here's what he says in ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 he says the one who loves money is never satisfied with money And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 7 he says this, All man's labor is for his stomach, yet his appetite is never satisfied. See, you and I tend to think if I can just get one more thing, if I can just get this one more thing, my life will be complete. If I can just get this one more thing, man, I'll feel fulfilled, but you won't. If I can just drive this car, Man, this particular car, life will be complete, but you will not be. The thing about the rat race that each and every one of us are in is it doesn't matter if you win, you're still a rat. That was better than the laugh some of y'all gave me. That was good, right? People think if I can just get this, I'll be happy, I'll be fulfilled. But I want to report to you that possessions are not where fulfillment comes. You can have all the money in the world, You can have the power, you can have position, you can have title, and still be miserable if you don't have Jesus Christ. Edmund Hillary was the very first man to ever climb Mount Everest. And after he climbed Mount Everest, he said there was so much excitement in his heart, so much much exhilaration. He said, I climbed the highest mountain. He said, but as I stood there, my thoughts of excitement changed. And he said... I begin to say this, where do I go from here? I've climbed the highest mountain. Where do I go from here? See, folks, it's not in acquiring things, and it's not in accomplishing 
things. Because if the answer would have been knowledge, God would have sent us a teacher. If the answer would have been money, God would have sent us an economist. If the answer would have been peace, God would have sent us a diplomat. If the answer would have been health, God would have sent us a doctor. But folks, the answer was salvation. And that's why God sent us a Savior. But again, so many people, they just want to hide behind their riches. So people hide behind religion, they hide behind righteousness, they hide behind riches. The fourth thing that people tend to hide behind is a rainy day. A rainy day. You've heard it and I've heard it. People say, hey, I'm going to get things right with God. One of these days, one of these rainy days, one of these days I'm going to get everything right. But right now i got too much of life to be living. You know, I read about a Bible. I read about a man in the Bible in Acts chapter 24. The Bible says that Paul preached to this man. Paul preached to this man and encouraged him to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. His name was Felix. His name was Felix. And you know how Felix responded to what Paul says in Acts chapter 24, verse 25. He says, when I find time, I'll call for you. He said, I'll wait for a more convenient season in my life. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get right with God, but I'm just not going to do it right now. Folks, I've read the Bible just like I'm sure you have. I've read all 66 books. I've read all 41,173 verses, and I have never read where Felix got saved. I've never read where he said, you know what, today is the day. I've never read where that more convenient season came upon him. Billy Graham tells the story or told the story that one day he woke up in Seattle and when he woke up, he had Marilyn Monroe on his mind. And so he calls Marilyn Monroe's people and he says, man, I need to talk to her. I need to talk to her. It's very important. I need to talk to her. And they said, Dr. Graham, it's going to be two weeks before she can schedule a meeting with you. He said, you don't understand. It's important. We've got to talk now. They said, Dr. Graham, it's going to be two weeks. Dr. Graham says that two weeks later, he woke up to a newspaper headline that said, Marilyn Monroe commits suicide. He said, I never did get a chance to talk to her. See, folks, I'm not passing any kind of judgment, but I am saying you better not wait for a rainy day. You better not wait for a more convenient season because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. The truth of the matter is none of us are guaranteed our next breath. We better get things right while there's still time. So people tend to hide behind religion. They tend to hide behind righteousness. They tend to hide behind riches. They tend to hide behind uh, rainy day. They also, the last thing I want you to see that they hide behind is reason. They had behind reason. See, we're pretty intelligent beings. Look at the person sitting next to you. I know you don't believe it, but they're pretty smart. They're pretty intelligent. They're pretty intelligent. See, I've heard people say, how can a God of love send me to hell? Listen to me, I got news for you. If a person goes to hell, they go as an intruder. They do. Because the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. See, you, you won't go to hell because God sent you there. You'll go to hell because you chose to go to hell. You'll go as an intruder. Hell was not prepared for you and it wasn't prepared for me. It was prepared for the devil and his dark angels. Somebody said, well, Robert, when I figure out that Christianity is the right way, I'll accept that. Well, here's what's crazy. 
Here's what's crazy. In John chapter 7, verse 17, here's what Jesus said. He said, if anyone wants to do his will, do God's will, he will understand whether the teacher is from God, this teaching is from God, or if I'm speaking on my own. Basically, what Jesus says is the only way that you're going to know that what I'm telling you is right is you're going to have to accept Christianity first. And how many of you have, when you accepted Jesus Christ, I mean, it might have been days, weeks, whatever, but something happened in your life, and you realize, man, he really is God. He really is God. Man, man, something happened where you said, you know what, man, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the right way. He's not just a good way. He's not just one way. Man, he is the only way. He is the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through Christ. He is. Somebody said, Robert, I've, I've reasoned this out. I'm, I'm just too bad. I'm just too sinful. You know what? Man, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, this needs to be your verse. It says, therefore, he is able to save those who come to God through him. Here's what I know. God is able to save. He saves from the uttermost to the guttermost. It doesn't matter if you've committed adultery or if you've just stolen a cookie. It doesn't matter if you've been to prison or if you only had detention. I've got good news for you. God saves from the uttermost. It matters not what you've done. It matters not how bad you've been. It matters not where you've come from. Man, God forgives. And Jesus didn't come to rub your sins in. He came to rub your sins out. Saul tried to hide. He tried to run. He only had one problem, though. He was a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And here's what I know. You and I can try to run. You and I can try to hide. But God knows. He sees us. He knows exactly where we are. See, I'm wrapping up, but Paul Harvey tells a story. It's a true story. Told a story about a guy by the name of Gary Tyndale. And Gary Tyndale was arrested for robbery. And so he was arrested and he was going to see the judge. And before he went to see the judge, he asked if he could go to the restroom. And so he was allowed to go to the restroom. And when he got into the restroom, he looked up and he saw the ceiling tiles. And he thought, that's my way out. I'm going to climb through the ceiling. I'm going to get out of here. And so he climbs into the ceiling. He begins to crawl and he crawls 30 feet in the south direction. And when he gets about 30 feet in the south direction, something crazy happened. The ceiling gave way. And Gary Tyndall fell straight through, and he fell right in front of the judge. Why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because you can try to run. I can try to run. I can try to hide. But it doesn't change the fact that one day we're going to land in front of the judge. Revelation chapter 20 tells the story of a courtroom. And those verses, verses 11 through 15 say, Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence. No place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in these books. Then the sea gave up its dead. And death and Hades gave up their dead. What does is, what is all that mean? The, the sea gave up its dead. Death and Hades gave up their dead. Well, when a person dies, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, their body returns to the earth. It returns to ashes. But their soul 
goes to hell. Their soul goes to hell. But at the great white throne judgment, they'll receive a resurrected body. They'll receive a resurrected body. Their soul will be rejoined with their body. And those verses go on to say this, verse 13. Then the sea gave up its dead, and death and Hades gave up their dead. All were judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You say, Robert, that's crazy. But it's not. Think about how it is today. If you commit a crime, you don't immediately go to prison. Where do you go? You go to jail, right? Then after you go to jail, you might stand before a judge to what? Be sentenced to prison. It's the same way with God. If a person doesn't know Jesus, they'll die and they'll go to hell. And at the great white throne judgment, they'll be resurrected, body and soul reunited. And they'll see Jesus. They'll see Jesus. They'll see his nail-pierced hands. They'll see the side where a spear pierced him. They'll see the, the, the marks where the crown of thorns was beat onto his head. They'll literally see the one who loved them so much he died for them. But when they see him, guess what? In that moment, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. When they see him, it's too late. So let me tell you something. Let me tell you what I have done. Man, this is good news for me, and I know it's good news for you. What I have done is I've settled out of court. Man, I'm not going to be in that courtroom, and you don't have to be in that courtroom. You can settle out of court today. All you got to do is stop running. All you got to do is stop hiding. All you got to do is look at God and say, here I am. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. He sees you anyway. He sees you, and He knows where you are. And he's calling you to something greater. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. He brought you here today so that you could give your heart to him you're not too bad that he doesn't love you you're not too far gone he brought you here today so that today could be a day of life change he brought you here today so that you could stop running and so that you could stop hiding And so if you're here today and you know you need to surrender to him, you need to give him your heart and you need to give him your life, I'm going to ask that you just pray this prayer. Father, today, I don't want to hide anymore. So forgive me for my sin, Father. Save my soul. I confess you as Lord and Savior. Mold me into a new person. May the old be gone and the new come. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can follow you the rest of my days. Again, our eyes are closed. But if you pray to receive Christ today, would you do me a favor? Just right where you are, would you lift your hand? Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for new life. 
maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a long time. And you've just been hiding from really being who it is that God wants you to be. I mean, you come to church, you think that's enough. But you know God's calling you to something deeper. It's more than just this. You'd say, Robert, pray for me that I'll just step out of my comfort zone, that I'll stop hiding, that I really will be who it is that God wants to me and do, do what it is that God wants me to do. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you as well? Amen, 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 a lot of hands. Father, I just pray for each and every person here today. Pray for all of us that you would help us to stop hiding. Father, that you would just help us to come out into the open because you see us anyway. You see us for who we are, and you love us anyway. Father, help us. Help us just to seek you each and every day. And help us to be who you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray.